Oh, hey. I didn't see you there. Oh. <laughs> Welcome a, to the Electronic Gaming a, Mostly uh, podcast with Seeker and Gabbler, and here we go. What's a person like you doing in a girl like, like me? This? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's a guy like you doing in a girl like me? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. So we, we forgot about the podcast last week again. Did we? Yep. I was really looking forward to not doing shit last Sunday, and that's exactly what I did. It was all a blur. But hey, we got Anthem to talk about. We've been playing Anthem since the the actual release, not that's the late release. To talk about, unless you want to talk about my actual life. Bought a chainsaw. That's awesome. <laughs> just for fun? Oh, absolutely. Just for fun. <laughs> now I got some trees to take down. Oh. No, I don't want to talk about that. Just the video games, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> go ahead. What do you what do you think about Anthem? Now that you've hit max level and we've seen pretty much all there is to see. Um Well, I'll throw, the, throw this out there cuz I know people people are, uh, exist that are like that. So the, if you I'll do the short version first. The short version of Anthem. So you don't have to sit here and listen to the whole podcast, you piece of shit. Uh, no, we want you to listen to the whole... That's, you're terrible <laughs> at this. We want people to listen. How about you stop back in an hour when we'll give our final <laughs> verdict? <laughs> no, I, I think that whenever people give out the reviews and stuff, they should always do the short version first because there are people that want to hear the short version of it. Uh but you'd be intrigued to understand this is a complicated issue with Anthem. I don't think that a short version gives it any justice, but, I mean, here I go. Uh, short and sweet, Anthem is a good game. It, uh, I'm not going to talk about whether or not I think it's worth $60. I, I, I personally will definitely put $60 worth of time into the game. Um, we already have, but we didn't pay $60, just so you know. Right, we did the $15 premiere, which is pretty fucking brilliant. And uh, I guess we can get to that later, but the game is 50% gameplay and 50% cutscenes. What I mean by that... And or conversations. If you, if you approach it that way. If you approach the game that way, it's not that bad. Um yeah, it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid 4. 50% gameplay, 50% cutscenes. Uh, the cutscenes in this game aren't as good as Metal Gear Solid 4, obviously. But uh, if you look at the conversations and returning to the tower, or whatever it's, we call it the tower, like, it's an actual tower in the game. I don't remember what the fuck it's called in the game. It's not Fort Tarsus. Fort Tarsus. Okay, there you go. Uh, so it's, it's a fort sitting on a fucking cliff. When you return to the fort, the game enters a first-person mode, and the game actually starts in this way, I believe. No, actually, I think the game starts with a little bit of gameplay. But the, the game goes back to this Fort Tarsus in first-person mode, and when you're there, you pick up missions, and you, you do conversations with people, and those conversations increase a loyalty score, uh, which um, leads to you being able to acquire uh, crafting blueprints later in the game 
So you have to do them. <clears throat> but the, if you look at that section like a cutscene, then you're really looking at 50% cutscenes, 50% gameplay. And the gameplay is fun. When you get in your javelin and go out into the world and do shit, it's fun. Even just flying around. Even just flying around is fun. Killing enemies that have no purpose or, or reasoning is fun. That's why free play in the game is really fun. I really enjoy jumping into free play and just flying around, collecting chests, selling shit, doing public events, whatever. Very similar to Destiny in that way. Um, and then going back to Fort Tarsus is the lamest part of the game. It's That's truly the worst thing. It really detracts from the game. It breaks up the gameplay, uh, which I understand that some games need, but it, it, this game is just... Well, it's not like you're out in the open world for 90% of the time, and every now and then you want to go back to the fort. It's like, between the loading screens and the fort, you're probably in the loading screens and the fort about 60% of the time. And then you go out, do a quick mission, come back, and have to do it all over again. And if you get behind on talking to these people every time you go back to the fort, like it just it just builds up to the point where when you do finally decide to talk to all these people, you're sitting there for an hour or two, just walking person to person, having these conversations. Yeah, and that's part of the slowdown of it. it it's not so much the because I skipped through all the conversations; they're not enjoyable. Yeah. So, the story of the game is pretty decent. It's not amazing. You know, it's destiny level storytelling. It's, uh, there's some intriguing aspects to the game world and things like that. And things that make you go, well, that's interesting, but it's never really touched on just like in destiny with the traveler and the darkness in this game. The Anthem is never explained. They don't tell you, they don't, you know, it's all vague and, and mystified. Like, you know, they talk about the gods, and how they left behind these these anthem of creation engines or some shit, and it's music focused and shit like that. But which is weird for a Bioware game, you know? Like they're usually pretty good about their world building and talking about like, oh my god, go play Dragon Age and just read books. There's so right. many friggin' books that explain the backstory. Now that, exi that exists in this game, and maybe I'm just ignoring that because I haven't read. Well, any of there the there is a lot of shit to read, but not a whole lot about the history of anything. It's just kind of, you know, uh, there's okay. Here's a good, here's a good example. Whenever you pick anything up, it goes into your cortex. There's a, a a section in your cortex specifically called junk, and it's just like flyers that you pick up. Like the, it's and it's not like you pick it up like yeah this is this is not important and send it to junk the game knows it's junk and gives it to you anyway which you know normally wouldn't be a problem except very little is explained to you about how to actually play the game what the stats do so i well, would have liked uh you know a little well, bit more reading involved with shit that matters and less junk well to be fair the the tutorial section pretty much covers everything in the game except for like the more complex issues Um, <clears throat> so they don't explain see, stats very well. I can't speak on the cortex because when when I played the game in the demo, I opened up the cortex and read everything that was in there, which was like maybe ten to twelve entries, uh, and it was intriguing and interesting. But when we played the when we played the core game, I didn't do that, and part of the reason why I didn't do that is because. I'm playing a game with my friends and I don't have time to stop and fucking read shit. 
while I'm sitting there playing with my friend. Like, hold on, guys, I'm reading the Cortex entry I just got. I'm not going to do that. I'm not a scumbag who's going to do that. Yeah. Make my friends sit there and wait. And that's part of a problem with a game like this when when game developers do that kind of thing. You, you know, when you watch a movie, don't you don't want text to come crawling across the screen telling me about it. Show me. You know? Yeah. Like I yeah, Star Wars is a great is, is great. Okay. And everybody loves the text crawl, but you could show me instead. You really could. Uh, you know. You could even probably have be better for it. Talking. You even have somebody talking over a little bit of like footage to make it more enjoyable. Uh, you're supposed to show not tell in, 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 in movies, and the same goes for video games. There, there's no reason for you to fucking make me read something when you could just show me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's cheaper to tell you, though. It is cheaper to tell you. That's right. Cheaper and easier to just have one guy write some stupid ass text. The story's intriguing. But the conversations with random NPCs in Fort Tarsus are not. Uh, the conversation, every single conversation that's not a part of the main story is literally about that person's life or day or what it's like to live in Fort Tarsus. Some people are going to like that. Most well, people aren't. There's another weird thing when it comes to these conversations is some of them like, seem like they're setting you up for a quest. But then the quest only involves going and having a conversation with someone. Right. There's even a part where they talk about, like, hey, help me in this bar fight. And if you agree to it, they're like, all right, cool, let's go. And then they never go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's presumed. <laughs> it happens it in the background. Right. It happened. Like, like there are moments where you're not the character and, you know, what? It's so weird. I, I have a theory that this game was originally going to be something first-person focused. Uh, like this whole game was, reeks a lot of, of detail ripped apart four years into development and remade and at the last minute. It feels like two games stitched together. Yeah, really like, what it, feels it seems like. like the fort, like the first-person story. Here's all the characters. Here's your, you know, your quest setups. But then those things never happen. Like you never yeah. talk to someone in a conversation and they give you a quest and then you go out and do it. They're two very separate things. You go and talk to someone with this icon if you just want to talk for no reason and you go talk to this one if you want to pick up a quest or a contract or something. Mm -hmm. It's really weird. And <laughs> visually, just visually, the game feels completely different in those two versions. You know, the, everything is very like gorgeous i mean the whole game is gorgeous but when you're in fort tarsus it's like it feels next gen visually speaking the animations on the faces are really fucking good uh you know the visually speaking it, it is very immersive being in fort tarsus when you get out in your javelin, it's still gorgeous but you're uh, you're more detached from your character and that's probably cuz it's third person but you're more detached from your character and it feels more like an action uh, at point. Well, I mean, it is more action. It's very but jarring. It, um, well, the thing is, is like the good part of the game is being in the javelin and having all this freedom of movement and shit. Yeah, right. But exactly. then they, they're constantly fucking you forcing you back into the fort where you yeah. move so friggin' well, slow. You move, you move <laughs> slow. Like, 
you go from being in a javelin flying around at breakneck speeds jumping around you know like super high mobility and then they send you back to fort tarsus and where literally and in the demo there was no sprint and they put it in for the final and it, game. it doesn't feel like a sprint it doesn't feel like a sprint it's like a brisk jog you this the um, but like the even in the game in there are parts that are super weird like here's the here's the most jarring part i think you go and you you go to like this dinner party thing right to try to honey dick some person who's got some power for some reason whatever <laughs> so you get there and like combat breaks out and when you go to this dinner party thing uh you're not in your javelin you're just kind of right. there it's more first person and but and it's weird it's like this halfway indoor environment with all these people and then like combat breaks out and then all of a sudden you're back in your javelin. The scenery is completely different. Yeah. <laughs> like all those people are gone. Yeah. It's like, what? Well, you don't it, even it, fight. You, you just leave. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It, it's like I mean, they stitch two different games together, people, but like you don't fight the guys that were inside that area. Uh, it, yeah, it feels like it was, it feels like, Fort Tarsus and those cutscenes were cutscenes to a game that was going to be maybe some kind of first person shooter or first person brawler type game or something. I don't know what they were doing there, but it feels like they cut out whatever that was and took all those cinematic cutscenes and conversations and locations and stitched that into Anthem, which at the at its core what anthem is if you take away the first all the first person aspects anthem is a uh semi open world looter shooter and the the map is maybe the size of i want to say two planets it's hard to get a feel yeah maybe, maybe. Two, two planets in destiny or something like that two to three of Destiny's planets combined in terms of their, their area. Uh, which is about, if you look at Destiny, to be fair, uh, it, it's as if, I, I mean, it might even be more than two to three. Maybe, maybe like all of Destiny. I mean, it's pretty combined. big, but it's all the same at the same time. You know, it, like, it's, Yeah, it's visually all the same. That's true. Um it's really hard to get a sense for how big the world is because traveling and shit right yeah this game is more about this one planet uh here's here's i think one of the biggest things though is like the way that this game like it, it's loop it should have went was you have the fort and that's where you do you know, whatever story missions, whenever brings you back and you can go there for whatever reason, if you want to. But once you go out into the open world, you should have all your missions available out in the open world. Yeah. You should be able to stop at a strider and change your gear or be able yeah. to do it in your inventory. And if you want, just stay out in the open world at all times, you know, exactly. so you could do that now, but it's like a separate instance where the only thing that shows up is world events, but it'd be a lot better if like, you, you go down into the world, you pick up your missions, and even while those missions are available, you can still do world events or do a mission. And then once you do a mission, you just do it, turn it in, and you're still in the open world. But as it the stands now, it, it's constantly... have any reward either. Yeah, you should be able to skip all that if you want. But right now, the way it is, is between every one of those different things, you need to hit a loading screen. Yeah. So you want to do a mission, it loads into your menu, you pick your mission, you hit start. Loading screen. And the problem is brings you to the open world. Play. 
And once the mission's done, it, it brings you back. It's so short. It's so short. Yeah. Unless you're doing free play and flying around at your own discretion, being out as long as you want in your javelin, all the all the missions are like ten minutes tops, ten to fifteen minutes total. I'd say some of them are even like five minutes. Yeah, some they, of them are even they can get to be pretty that, short. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's noticeable because you do you go to the, oh, your your noticeable. fort and you have to walk around really slowly for twenty minutes, talking to all these people, skipping all the conversations. <clears throat> and then you go back to your javelin and go out on a mission and loading screens between all this too. Or you go into your forge and you change your javelin up, pick your weapons, go out, do the mission for a couple minutes, come back, <laughs> loading screen, brings it back to the fort, go talk to all these people. So when you add it all up, like I said before, like two thirds of the game is the fort and loading screens. Yeah. There's two things this game needs uh, in short. And that's one, the developer needs to put in some kind of key to where you can choose that you don't want to participate in the conversations and then just give you the loyalty as you go or, or, or completing the missions need to give you loyalty or something like that. Yeah. And two, you need to be able to access from like a strider out in the world. Like there's these striders set around outside that the way the game puts it is the striders are like these big walking mechs. They're like big mech, Cows, basically. Like I mean, you start the game out as a in a strider, so right. And the like idea everything you need that, for your javelin, including the people you work yeah. with, should be there just waiting for you. That's so it'd be true. cool if like they implied the story, that there was one strider, like your strider, is just wandering around, kind of following you. Yeah. So like, there's multiple striders, but that's the way that you know, no, it's one strider. It just shows up multiple times. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if there was one strider that just patrolled around in a circular pattern or something like that. Uh, but as it stands now, there's just what they have is multiple striders sitting around static, not moving. And it'd be nice if you could go to those and access your next mission and, and access your, your customization. Uh, and, and like you said, in the beginning of the game, even at the end of the game, when you're in a strider, your, your javelin's there in the strider. It, it's visualized as a place where you can modify your javelin and get into it and do shit. You know. Now, once you can modify it, I mean, there is some good stuff there. Like, there's a a lot of color options. There's only, like, three combinations well, of uh, armor the, you can pick, but... Finishing the story thing real quick, I think, uh... Oh, God, and I'm fucking blanking all of a sudden. I, I, feel, I feel like... Sorry you're feeling so blank inside. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I feel like it's important to mention that everything we've talked about, the conversations and the... 10 to 15 minute missions that's all leveling that's yeah the that's that's not end game that's not representative to end game because once you get in game there are no more conversations and you're ba you're back at the fort for five seconds and it's basically just a fucking unnecessary loading screen to get back in your javelin and get on to the next mission yeah and the weird thing is is at the end of a mission it'll ask you where you want to go if you want to go to the launch bay the forge or fort tarsus there should be an option just to get right back into the mission screen. Like, you would think that the forge does that, right? Like, you go in your forge, you change it, hop, you hit escape, it brings you back to the menu screen. But instead, it brings you back out to Fort Tarsus. So you your options hub, are forge, then Tarsus, or Tarsus. I know that people... <laughs> for the launch gone, I know that people will say, just go to the hub. Yes, the hub is fine when it works. It's fine. And the great thing about the hub is it's 
I mean, it's kind of like what Fort Tarsus should be. You're in your javelin, running around. There's other people there, which I don't care. I don't. I wouldn't care if there were or weren't other people there. And you can access your mission. So if you go back to Fort Tarsus, you have to run at the speed of smell to each board that could potentially have a mission on it. And we're talking, Jesus, we're talking at minimum 60 seconds. 60 seconds at minimum to get to one of these boards and back to your javelin. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's pretty But if, you're, if you go to the hub, if you go to the hub where you're in your javelin, it's this small room, and there's one board that gives you access to all the different boards. This It feels like this was added in at the last minute. Which, I mean, it, yeah, and it, you know what? It sounds fine and everything, except there's always something broken about the launch bay. Yeah, the like, launch bay. Is either you can't broken. get back out into Tarsus. There's a bunch of rubber banding and lag because for some reason they match make. It's supposed to be the social area where you can just stand there and people can be like, hey, check out my armor. But there's only so many combinations of colors that really everyone looks kind of the same. Except for it's also supposed to be where you can group up with people. But it, yeah, and but it auto matches you anyway. That. That's, <laughs> yeah, and everything's auto matched. So uh, and then the door that brings you out to the missions. Uh, sometimes that's bugs, so you can't get back to your, your mission screen. Now, if you're in a squad, from anywhere in Tarsus or the launch bay, you can hold R for like yeah. two seconds, and it brings I, I you just, to the I mission screen. In single player... Yeah, <laughs> you should be able to do that in single player. Because you yeah, can actually get trapped yourself. in the launch bay. Yeah, If you're by yourself, you absolutely should be able to do that from anywhere. I don't know why that's specifically a squad thing. Because people are waiting on you? Or it's possible people are waiting on you? Well, we don't want to inconvenience those other people, but when it's just you, it's like, yeah, we can inconvenience him. Fuck him. <laughs> the launch bay is the uh, is idea, but like like he said, it's broken half the time. Uh, it just doesn't feel good for me personally. I can't launch a mission. I I'm just it's I can, I can never sometimes. launch a mission. So I I usually if I'm not in a party and I go to launch bay I have to leave and go back to Fort Tarsus. It's just so weird. You just want to get to your launch bay where everything's in one place and you click on the door to get there and it's like matchmaking. Like, but if you even I gotta sit through a matchmaking screen. Yeah. If you consider that you have to wait on matchmaking, it's actually faster to just go back to Fort Tarsus, jump in your javelin, and then and then access their, your forge from there and uh, go back into the next mission or whatever. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, and that's the weird part. If you exit if you if you finish a mission and you go to forge, once you exit the forge screen, it throws you back into Fort Tarsus and you have to jump back in your javelin and go through the whole jumping in your javelin animation. Which isn't terrible, but whatever. But if you choose to go back to Fort Tarsus and then jump into your javelin and go to the mission screen, if you choose to go to your forge from the mission screen, when you back out of the forge, you're in the mission screen. <laughs> like, it should just always be the mission screen when you back out of your force. So, you know, there's there's things they need to fix. But and fortunately, I'll say this. It does appear currently this could change, but it does appear currently that the game developers are on top of fixing shit and making changes that the community is asking for because they've already made some changes like that. There was the the store that had featured items was only for the Ranger and the Colossus, and it had a 10 day time limit on it. And people complained about that. that that's too long. So they changed it to a three-day cycle. So now it's every three days that that featured store stuff changes, and that's basically like Destiny's um, Eververse, how how it will cycle things that you can buy. <clears throat> yeah, 
So the store. That's yeah. what you're talking well, about. Well, there's there's not much on the store. I mean, it's it's worse than the Eververse. I'll say that. Destiny's Eververse is better than Anthem's store. But to be fair, we're technically two days after release. Well, yeah, in terms of what's available, because they don't have everything available at once. They were going to cycle things out every 10 days, and then people bitched and now it's every two days. But the funny thing is, is they don't have enough variety to cycle it out every two days. So it's just every other day, it's the same thing. Well, we'll see what they start coming up with. And how? See, the, Well, the, I don't mind so much. I would really rather them just work on the game before doing I, the store I shit. I agree. Well, the, the crux of a problem here... Uh, with a game like this is, uh, you know, what is content? You know, you have to be able to produce content at a rate that's acceptable to keep people engaged. Yeah. Because what's going to ultimately happen in a game like this, this is true for Destiny, this is true for World of Warcraft, for any kind of game like this that has kind of a grindy in-game kind of thing going on, is you're going to have people that are there to experience the first-hand part of the game, the story. And I've already seen streamers do this. They finish the game, and then they ditch it. And that's it for them. It's over. Yeah. You know, these are the kind of people that play uh, Elder Scrolls, and they complete the main mission and go, I beat the game. Well, it's a little bit different, because Skyrim has a lot more stories and gameplay elements. And it's still kind of looty, but, you know. Skyrim has a better reason to keep going outside of gameplay. That's true. Yeah, Anthem is kind of like for me. The end game is fun. Shot at people. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, but like the end game is is fun. But I know eventually, like I know it now that um I'm just doing all this to get better loot to move up in the difficulty, so I can keep getting better loot. And there's really no purpose to it all. Like I know that, but at some point I'm gonna feel it. And that's what I'm going to stop. Yeah, what the see, fuck well, am that's, I doing? That's the, that's the thing is people detract themselves too much. When you play a game like Destiny or World of Warcraft, it's easy to sit back and go, what's the point of doing this? Well, fun is the main point. Fun yeah. is absolutely the main point of doing it. And right now, I have fun playing the game when I'm out in the Javelin. Especially in game when I can avoid Fort Tarsus as much as possible. Yes, I still have to go there, but I'm literally only there for a couple. I don't go and talk to anybody. I don't go to any mission boards. If I if I got to pick up missions, I go to the launch bay and pick up the missions, and then I teleport out because you know I'm in a party. Yeah. I typically don't play the game solo, uh, and that's it. I, I don't Fort Tarsus is fucking useless at in game. It really is. Uh, that's why the game needs that feature of of being able to access things from out in the world. But when it comes to getting gear, is it's just the gear acquisition in this game is actually fun. When you play a game like Destiny, one of the exciting things is getting uh, legendaries or, or exotics uh, because they're they're not just new weapons. When you get a new weapon leveling or high level at Destiny, you're like, oh, this is great! I got a better Devils that's the highest item level. And it does this, and that's cool, and it, it, it does damage, and it does good damage, and it feels good. But then when you get an exotic, yeah, it always has that extra thing on it that does something unique. And you're, you're interested in mixing that around with your abilities and, and getting a feel for it. And this game has that with everything. That's, real, that's where it really gets things right. Where in World of Warcraft Legion, you had like a maximum of three legendaries you could wear. And then... Uh, in in Destiny, it was like what two exotics, one piece of gear, and one weapon. 
In this yeah. game, you can wear every piece of your gear can be legendary. And that feels great. <laughs> that feels amazing. And the legendary pieces, and that's not even considering Masterwork. Masterwork feel is like legendary light stuff. And then legendary is like a more, you know. Yeah, and we talked about this before. Like, if you want to make gear more interesting, you got to do what Anthem did, basically, and put unique effects on shit that's easy to, to get. Because yeah. Masterworks in this game are probably the equivalent of, like, epics in World of Warcraft. Right? Like, medium rare. Yeah, but they still have little special things on them. That yeah, make that's what I'm saying. More <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then it, It's almost like everything is part of a gear them. set, only it's not a set. I mean, they really did a good, a good job in Anthem in making the gear tiers feel good. And here's an unpopular opinion. The reason that they're able to do that is because there's no PvP. That's right. They don't have to balance around PvP, so there's a possibility for getting a super OP feel build. Good in this game. No, it wouldn't. You no. just either everyone would be a sponge, and it would just be shooting at each other. I think nothing happened, example... or everyone dying instantly to like the one shot. There would be like a fucking <laughs> Dark Souls meta, right? Like, hey, it, it basically <laughs> be division. If you look at divisions PvP, it's trash. It's this weird third person. You can peek around corners thing, and then everybody's bullet spongy. It's and and PvP and division doesn't work in my opinion. It really doesn't. Yeah, and that like, they balanced the the health and division too around the fact that there was PvP because they didn't want it to be, you know, just everyone being a bullet sponge. So that's why it's a heal over time, and you can't just heal yourself over and over again. Which is stupid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just make everyone not feel bullet spongy, including the PvP. Whatever. That's whatever division. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad this game doesn't have PvP and all the people crying about it. Go play Destiny. Destiny is there for you. Yeah. And look at look at a game like Destiny. If you put PvP in a game, here's the problem with PvP. If you put PvP in your game, it's gonna just become about PvP. Unless the PvP is shit, like Division. <laughs> Nobody does PvP. Like, yeah. I don't even know what people playing Division even I, I've never seen people that still play Division to this day concerned about pvp because there's the, but if you look at world of warcraft and and destiny it, it's the focal point at the end game it almost becomes a focal point like oh man let's get on there and do some pvp like why for destiny yeah. that's all there is to do <laughs> because you're you're limited or the raid and, over and over again but then well, you gotta you actually never, you can't solo into a raid really you can't solo into a raid, and and you're limited. You can only get loot once a week, right? Wasn't that the thing? Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember. Jesus. But in PvP, it's just that's their grind, and it's terrible because it's just a team shooter at the end of the day. And yeah, that's fun. Well, <laughs> apparently they changed something about that, but I haven't really been keeping up with Destiny. So yeah. Well, and here's the thing I'll say about Anthem in terms of team shooting: I have never felt once like we need to up and shoot an enemy at the same unless it's well, a boss, the big ones obvious yeah the, the, a boss and that makes sense but i mean they talk about they talk about when you hit grandmaster three it's about coordination with a team i disagree um coordination in this game really amounts to hey i'm about to get these guys combo ready <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know which for the most part isn't really a necessary amount of communication because if I'm well, if I think I'm the game is talking about like coordinating your builds too. You know, like hey, you'll be acid, you'll be frost, you'll be fire. Yeah, I can understand that, but 
here's the way it works out. If I'm playing Storm and Seeker's playing Ranger, I want him to be detonating combos on a boss because he gets more single target combo damage. So what that means for me is I'm going in with a combo set up already because the whole dungeon or or whatever is not it's not just going to be one boss. So yeah. I need to be able to set up my own combos as well considering that my combos spread effects and I do fire because fire is a better effect to spread. It does damage over time. So uh you know Acid is great. Frost is fucking useless. It, it freezes targets, and that's wonderful, and you can stun lock enemies. But most of the time, that doesn't matter because fire can just do a boatload of fucking damage and burn them over time. Yeah, and, and bosses are... It's time. easier to set bosses on fire than it is to freeze them. Yeah, and acid is great because it does lower their uh, resistances. Well, it does more, more damage, damage than Frost. It doesn't do a lot of damage, but it does more damage than Frost does. And everything that happens to it after it's it's got the toxic effect just does more damage. And you can use it on bosses pretty easily. Like but with I the, uh, the Ranger, you can shoot that thing pretty quickly. Because it stops them from regenerating shields, which is a fucking pain in the ass because when the, this isn't something like for you, you have to stop taking damage Unless you're an interceptor and then you just have to run, uh, you, you the, your shield just slowly starts to go up. But for an enemy, it just after a couple seconds, it's full. Yep, uh, it's like so a you, you knock their shields away, and then there's after what ten seconds, they jump in the air and get it back. Well, that's specifically the storm enemies, and there's no way to stop them from getting their shields back, even if they're on fire. But normal enemies that have shields like snipers and things like that. If they're on fire, they won't regenerate their shields. Uh, and the problem is you put damage into shields and then you try to kill them and they got like a sliver of health left and you got to get to cover because you're being shot. And then we're talking about high, you know, difficulty levels here. And then they just have their shields back and you got to kind of almost do as much damage again. But the coordination aspect of it, I'm not going to go in there with just two primers and be like, go Ranger, go. (laughs) That's never going to happen. I'm going to always go in with a primer and a detonator. That's how I'm always going to do it. Because when he's over there doing his thing versus trash, I'm going to be over here doing my thing versus trash. And I want to be able to detonate my own shit. So on a, on a big boss, I might just primer it. And I could say, Hey, it's combo ready. But I don't need to because him and I are both shooting at the same target. It's likely that he's just going to use his primer and detonator every time it's up. So it's it's unnecessary for me to even go in and be like, hey, uh, I'll do two primaries and you do two detonators. It will get double the detonator. De-. It's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, It's really literally not, not necessary. The, the biggest <laughs> problem with the higher difficulties is they need to give you way more health. Like way more well, help. They need to incentivize doing the difficulties as well. There's really yeah, no reason too. to go beyond Grandmaster One. Well, Grandmaster for now, but like when we legendary. have when we have all fucking legendaries mm-hmm. and masterworks, I'm sure we'll do Grandmaster Two just because it feels very similar to Grandmaster One and so on and so forth. But, but they need they need to, to give you way more help because when you're playing through the story, yeah. I mean, for, your shit kind of matters. Like a few characters have some kind of shield support ability. Which yeah. works is when you're leveling up, but enemies one shot it when you know in the fucking end game. Yeah. 
So, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you. Like, you're used to flying around, being able to take some damage and shit, and be able to kill things. But on the higher difficulties, it's like you take two shots, or you get hit by fire, you need to fucking oh, yeah. get behind cover. Not and it's not really a cover not. shooter. Like, the AI <laughs> no, will rush you. They can shoot through rocks half the time. Well, that's bugs. But normally, yes, normally I'm, f- as a storm, I'm floating high in the air because I have an, an advantage where I can shoot just about every enemy. And it's not a problem because if I do start getting shot at, I can focus on that enemy and kill them and I should be fine because my teammates are going around and they're picking up aggro and things as well. But at higher difficulties, that one guy shooting me, my whole shields are gone. Like all of them quickly. So I go from being high in the air to much lower, barely off the ground, hiding behind rocks and trees and shit, peeking corners like it's fucking Counter-Strike. Yeah. So like the best thing about this game is the mobility, but then at the higher difficulties they kind of take that away. Like you still have the mobility, but you get murdered every time you go out in the open. Yeah. Plus you're constantly getting stun locked, knocked out of the air. That's the thing that really bothers me about the traversal in this game is if you're flying through the air or hovering and you get knocked out of the air, you can't recover. It just drops you and you fall as far as you can fall. Yeah, I want to touch back on that, but I want to say real quick, like it's funny because the game is so much more different based off what javelin you're playing. Uh, and I say that as somebody who played with two friends who didn't really change their javelin the whole game, but I'd bounce between two to three javelins at a time, mostly two, because I wanted to play with the interceptor, but it was well, I just played with them all for me on my own yesterday. Well, I think what, I'd probably just stick with Ranger and Storm. Though. Here's what I want to say about it, though, because my experience was mostly Storm, which has a more powerful shield when floating. And most of the time, I'm hovering in the air, just raining fire down on things. So, And that's the gameplay experience for me. But for Monty, who's playing Interceptor, his gameplay experience is running around very quickly doing melees. And his shields only recharge when he's sprinting. And the game really doesn't tell you this. You got to go into the tutorial section and read about your javelin to see that. So I don't know how much he knew about that, but his, his gameplay experience was losing, being very squishy. And Seeker's gameplay experience was being mostly on the ground. I mean, I'm sure you were going up into the air here and there, but most well, of there's no reason for me to hover. The, right. So. Most of your combat experience is on the ground. Face to face with the enemy. But when you play the Colossus, the experience goes literally just right in their face. I mean, I know Seeker hasn't had the same experience I have, but for me, the Colossus is just a bully of a character. A lot of times I'm going into these story games, we're, we're playing the game, and I'm playing a Colossus, and normally I'd be trying to engage a couple enemies, but as the Colossus, I just have my shield up, and I'm literally just sprinting into an enemy, knocking them on their ass, and then backing up two steps and sprinting into them again and killing them. <laughs> and it's just, it's trivial. It's almost trivial. Uh, I drop into a group of enemies with a, a melee because they do this increased aerial uh, drop damage when they do a melee from the air, and then I just turn on my flamethrower and my lightning Tesla coil and just pop all of them. And it's so... It's so Playing as a Colossus makes the game feel so trivial. Like, yes, you don't have shields, and it feels a little weird at first because you feel like you're losing health all the time. But when you're, it's actually funny because once you start hitting a certain point with Colossus, enemies, and there's 
And you could absolutely focus on this if you wanted to, but there's a stat in the game that actually increases the chance of enemies to drop health pickups or ammo. And my experience with my Colossus currently is, yes, I lose some health, but I just charge into enemies and they die and they immediately drop health and my health just shoots right back up. It's it's just, it, it makes the game trivial. So it's actually interesting yeah. how the gameplay is is different enough to get a different experience for each person. Because Monty at this point at Endgame does not feel good playing his Interceptor. I feel yeah, like well, this... everyone's squishy at Endgame and him especially. Like I had the most trouble with... The thing about the Interceptor is it's the most fun to like traverse with, like just go around the world and shit. Yeah. Like they do flips and you can triple jump right. and they feel really light and agile, free, free but they're the yeah. worst for combat. They suck. Yeah. Like it feels yeah, good yeah. when you're leveling, but again, at Endgame, they need to give you way more health. Because you have to be out in the open to be effective, and you just you're just can't. mashing a melee button. There's like nothing interesting about it. Well, you there's it's like any other character. Button. Like you're just mashing two buttons to shoot as the ranger, pretty much. But yeah, it's about but using your abilities. Literally one fucking button. The, but the problem with the abilities. Well, on that's the, the way Monty was playing it. Enjoyable. Well, even well when I look, played. I agree with you. Like fucking interceptor is probably my least favorite. The Colossus is going to take some work. But I think the Storm and the Ranger are the most fun. I agree. Well, I, I because think here's the weird thing: it's like leveling up. Your abilities are so powerful, but then when you get to end game, they're not. Like as a Ranger, I can always fall back on my guns. Like my guns and my gun bonuses. Like my guns kill things the fastest. Right. My like I can use a super on just a regular yellow bar enemy, and it, they'll lose like a quarter of their health. My fucking super. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's really weird. At higher levels, absolutely. And I I know there's stats for that, but and to be fair, we're not kitted out in full masterworks and legendary. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's I know it's going to go back and forth. Like it, there's the the way you play the game when you're leveling, and then the way you play the game at endgame, and then the way you play a game when you're fucking stacked in all masterwork and legendary gear. Yeah, they re the difficulty jump from hard to grandmaster one is pretty big. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel tweaked properly. Grandmaster yeah. two is almost impossible, even with grandmaster one gear. It feels like you got to be. Well, to be fair, we don't level. have grandmaster one gear. Like we're not really tricked right. out in masterworks right. yet. Well, to some degree. I mean, all of my components are masterwork. My I use two legendary abilities, and my weapons are both masterwork. So. I mean, it still takes me forever to kill things. In well, I mean, Master and you're still going to get the right rolls because the, like that's the, true. The, the masterwork components power. give you so much health. It's ridiculous. It gives you like two to three times as much health as each epic component. Yeah. So at a certain point, it doesn't even matter what you get or how it contributes to your build. You just have to equip the fucking masterwork and hope that it works because yeah. just the health is that's true and essential. So once you play it long enough and you get like, masterwork components that are not only give you a bunch of health but they also like synergize well then you can probably move on to grandmaster too but it's going to take a while it's almost to your your benefit to just stack fucking luck stats but you know yeah. what do i know well, i'm playing <laughs> 45 hours <laughs> uh but, you know, overall, despite all of those things, and I do think that Grandmaster 3 needs to just be about a challenge. I, I don't think they should put anything behind that. And I think Grandmaster 1 and 2 need to be brought down in difficulty a little bit. 
uh, because Grandmaster I don't even 2, think it's really the difficulty. It's just how much health you have. Well, Grandmaster 2 feels pointless. Like, we went through it, and the drop rate is feels almost the same as well, Grandmaster yeah. 1. Like, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's how much they drop versus how fast it takes to actually beat it. Kill enemies, yeah, that's, that's right. The balance is better for Grandmaster 1 than it is for 2, because you can kill I, shit yeah. pretty quick. I agree. Overall, though, I think the game is better than Destiny in a lot of respects. Destiny has its own things going on. I mean, can't could Anthem use raids? I don't know. Would it work? I mean, what's what's a raid? It's just a bigger. Like there's only so many mechanics. Right? You can't do like creative mechanics. It seems in this game, it's like everything is one of those three missions. Could. I think it could. They kind of hint at it a little bit at the final story mission. You know, with the the segment where you have to destroy the red orbs on the ground before they explode. That you could do something like that, I think. I think they could absolutely do some things like that. Uh, I'd like to see you could do some cool stuff where, like, everybody gets moved to an area and frozen, and you have to break out of the freeze and fly away quickly before an area detonates or something. Yeah, they could absolutely be creative with it. Uh, we'll see how far they go in terms of their creativity. <laughs> uh, yeah, fortunately, the writers which is probably one of the weakest aspects to the game, aren't going to be in charge of doing anything. What you can notice is that the gameplay, whoever's in charge of building the actual gameplay, uh, those people know what they're doing. So hopefully we're in good hands because that's that's mostly who's going to be messing with the game from here on out. And this is important when looking at a game like this. Everybody wants to look at Anthem and go, man, the story sucks, the, the tower thing sucks, all that stuff sucks. That's gone. That's mostly gone. Some of those people will stick around for more story shit in in more updates, but those people aren't the ones doing anything related to gameplay. The gameplay are the guys who made all the javelin gameplay and shit. Those are the guys who are going to be adding the stuff that you really want to the game and being in charge of making the the changes that are being requested or necessary to make the game better. Uh, so hopefully. That's a good sign. But uh, I think this game has the potential, if you're into Destiny, if you like Destiny, I think you'll like Anthem. I don't think it's going to hold on to you. Okay, well, let, let's put it this way. Seeker and I played Anthem or Destiny 2 for eight months. Mm, six months. Was it six? Six-ish months. Uh, at about month four... We probably should have quit. Uh, yeah. At about month two is when I would say that the game fell off in terms of your average player. The average player at month two, it felt like we could have easily quit. Looking back on it, looking back on it, month two is about as far as we needed to go to get everything there was in in Destiny two. Month four is when. We should have quit because month four was probably the peak moment of nothing's going to get changed in this game because that's that's two more months of doing the same exact content. That's two months beyond the first two months of, of doing the repetitiveness of Destiny 2. And just just for the sake of, you know, you have your first two months where you really experience everything and you, you get geared up and you get maxed level and maxed power level and and you experience the raid and all that stuff. And the next two months after that is just 
you know, getting every item or uh, fucking running the raid for the hundredth time with a, with a, a clan that you built, you know, that that's the only reason to have done those extra two months. And beyond yeah. that was literally sitting on our hands, waiting for Bungie to do something to make the game playable, you know, in terms of just simple shit. Like where the fuck is prestige Leviathan? you know yeah or we never even played prestige or raid layer raid layer (laughs) yeah it's six months and we still never played prestige raid layer because it didn't come out till what forsaken or some shit like that is ridiculous uh and just to be and i'm not going to get on to why we quit or whatever but with anthem i feel like it's going to be a similar situation you first two months is you know, playing the story, which you can get to the story in a week, which is really long comparative to Destiny. Uh, but first month too long. is first month, uh, first two months is probably going to be, and actually you gear up quicker in this game. So it would be a shorter timeline. I think first month. Well, yeah, you gear up quicker, is, but with God rolls and shit, you're going to be getting the same piece of loot over and over. And there's actually a purpose to it. Yeah, maybe. That that could be true, but where Destiny would force you to wait in a line just to get your power level up with having a maximum number of high, you know, they had that weekly bullshit where to, it's, it's weekly, uh, do your weekly shit to get your your item power level items that take you over. Otherwise, everything's lower item level than what you have. This game doesn't do that. Everything is uh you know you're you're they don't gate you behind stuff like that now in terms of them keeping you playing that might be a negative for them but from a player standpoint that's a positive because you don't feel like you're being held back or you know two months of destiny and the the initial two months of destiny is really a forced amount of time it's it's not because it takes that long to get how you know your power level up it, it it only takes that long because Bungie forces it that way onto you because they limit yeah. how many pieces of gear you could get that took you over that cap. Uh, in this game, that doesn't happen. You it's just a it's a steady curve. Uh, so I feel like in a month <clears throat> in a month you could be at where you would be in Destiny in two months, and then likewise two months would be your four month period in Destiny. So. That's what the developers are working on. They're working in a time frame of one month to two months having to put out content. So they're going to have to put out content quicker than Bungie does. And that's... Yeah, well, it seems like there's a lot more writing on this for Bioware than... It's like that should be easy. (laughs) Easy for them to do because Bungie really um, still still stand firmly behind the idea that they were on a skeleton crew and the rest of the team went on to make Destiny 3, which turned into Forsaken, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that seems about right. I mean, they'll never say that, but that's probably what happened. And I think Bioware's a bigger dev team than Bungie. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. Feels like when I say that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters, dude. That's what, uh, I mean, it's, it's just kind of fucked up because the best part of Anthem until the end game is just... 40% of the game. And I mean, there are people out there that are like, Hey, I really like the characters. I really like the story. And those people are, I don't know what they are. It's, <laughs> I don't know how you could say that. I don't know. It's just so that. fucking uninteresting. Well, and they're just well, obstacles in the way of getting to the game. It's like, 
it's not even like interesting. Like there's nothing you literally, there's a character. Okay. There's a character that you talk to. That's like, Oh, I had this great idea. What if, um, what if we could grow plants indoors? <laughs> and the whole storyline for that character, every time you come back to him, it's, it's every time you come back to this girl, every time it's progressing that narrative. Oh, I figured out a way how we could do it. Meanwhile, you look up above her and you're not indoors. It's a dome that doesn't have any glass or anything like that on it. So there's sunlight everywhere. And you walk, you know, 20 feet away from her and there's a guy there with a potted plant in front of him. <laughs> and the, her whole storyline is this idea that she's going to invent how to grow plants indoors on this planet. And I don't understand what's happening here. Is it supposed to be a joke? <laughs> or is it supposed to be like praising this character that's going to be smart and figure it out and help everybody and feed everybody? Because it's literally already been done. Like it's it's literally right there. I don't understand. Yeah. And then like, there's the one the the one person you talk to who always has a fucking story about some kind of creature that she wants to keep as a pet or something. And you actually have the option oh to tell her, like, no, I don't want to hear about it. And she, she's like, okay, and she gets all sad, and then every time you go back to her, she's like, uh, so about last time when you didn't want to fucking listen to what I was telling you. And you got to oh, be yeah. like, oh, God, just, I don't care. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the one character part. you could tell. Like, I don't care. But, I mean, you're better off skipping everything because you're still doing the same shit. That is the worst part. No matter how rude you are to these people, they still want to talk to you. Yeah. They still want to talk to you. There's an old lady that stands uh, near the back. And you can be, you can have, like, the you, you can be mortal enemies with her to the point where she's, coming to you wanting to talk to you and saying things like you should apologize and you can reply no you apologize and then she basically says i'm not gonna and that's where it should end but you come back later and she's like listen i apologize like fuck off you can even still be like i don't care <laughs> and then she wants to talk again like you can be like, i don't forgive you and then later she's like let's talk and she acts like nothing happened it's the worst you gotta talk to a janitor a fucking janitor that sweeps the streets multiple times and all he complains about is people running around and shit. Now, I get that that's supposed to be a joke, right? And <laughs> no running. <laughs> but it's not funny and it's fucking annoying. Yeah, because we want to run. Like, <laughs> so they know that this sucks. It's just, it, it's not enjoyable at all. Just fuck off. <laughs> like, there really just means want, needs to be a more centralized character. hub system. You should be able to do it all from your menus, pretty much. Absolutely. There's no reason to walk around that place. It's really forced. So it's, you know, half the game is amazing. Half the game is rough. And then you get end game and the, the rough half kind of disappears into the background. But you know it's going to come back during content updates. And that's the worst uh -huh. part. Uh, so it's, it's a double-edged sword kind of thing. Anthem is a double-edged sword. Now, the the ending of the game, and I won't spoil anything, the ending of the game is really interesting. You know, things happen. Uh, uh, we're going to do the spoiler section right after this. So the ending of the game is interesting in that something happens that makes you go, oh, well, that's interesting. Can't wait to see where that goes. That would be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. 
and here's the spoiler section. So starting now is the spoiler section. And I'll give you a timer. Uh, I'm only <laughs> going to talk about this for like 60 seconds. Okay, so the game starts with you in a javelin and you're you're going to this you know crater that's got this you know you're a you're a freelancer and freelancers shut down these like radical engines that get out of control these engines of creation and they just spawn creatures uh that are bad for people because you know they're predators and your job is to shut these down by like either collecting these sparks that come out of them or collecting pieces and putting them back on there and one of these is a big one called the cenotaph and it's huge and you try to close it and you fail. Your whole team fails and you go blah, blah. Uh, shit happens over the course of the game. You, you introduce this character called the Monitor who looks like a badass and got a pretty great voice actor. You follow him around. He's trying to open the Cenotaph because he wants to, he wants to absorb the Anthem energy. Okay. And he, at the end of the game, he succeeds in doing that and he becomes this big dude and you fight him and defeat him and that's it. It's over. You don't learn anything new about the anthem, and then at the end, at the end, they they show you this creature on the table that looks like a fucking alien, and they're talking about it like they've seen them before, and that maybe the monitor and his forces were kind of keeping these guys at bay. So that's what sets up for the next bit. And here's the deal with, uh, and this is spoiler free now. You don't learn about the fucking anthem. You learn nothing about yeah. the anthem. It's it's interesting because it seems like the monitor and his people are using anthem power, and you know they talk about how, so they have this stupid system where you have these ciphers. They're like people that sit in chairs and can see everything you can see through your javelin, and experience everything you can experience. It's almost like they watched Pacific Rim and were like, "How can we get two people involved in this whole javelin?" <laughs> Because it's really fucking unnecessary. Because the whole point of the cipher is to feed you information and to update your com- your your you know your your uh, compass and all that shit, like your direction where you need to go, whatever. It feels like they could just be doing that from in front of a computer, but you know, whatever. They're connected, and ciphers are like these autistic people who are like super affected by the anthem, and. When ciphers hear the anthem, they go crazy, typically. And one of your ciphers has heard the anthem in the beginning of the game. And, she, and, and she's like, whoa, she's, she's affected by it. She's like, it's beautiful. Whoa. And then at the end of the game, she hears it again. Uh, and they make it out like it's a bad thing. Don't fucking go into the light. But the monitor's whole deal is going into the light. And, and they never explain it. <laughs> they, the powers that he gains doesn't seem like it's a negative effect on him. It it just makes him more powerful. So, and I don't know. Maybe later on in the games, you know, with a, a, you know additional content, they'll expand on that, and maybe you'll even get powers of the anthem. I don't know. So, but y- y- it's. It's it's music related 100% because a lot of times you come across these engines and they're clearly fucking subwoofers. Just <laughs> It's clearly meant to be that. You know, you even go and activate these towers on one of these side missions and it sends out like these dubstep waves. You set one off and then some person sets one off in the distance and it like 
starts this song off. There's, you know, if you own the soundtrack, there's even the anthem of creation creation song. So, I mean, that's kind of cool, but it doesn't explain anything. I mean, it's obvious that these machines were left behind by people. You know, they say the gods, but it's probably people. And it's probably some fucking thing that has to do with sound waves and shit like that. And uh, it's, they create life somehow, whatever. It's some bullshit, metaphoric, artsy-fartsy, libtard shit about <laughs> music creates life or whatever. Is, but the problem with it is that th- there's no information given to you that you go into the game knowing as much as you learn like finishing the game you finish the game with as much information on the anthem as you start the game with anthem i mean there's a whole part of the game where you have to not get a piece of equipment for your javelin so that you can survive hearing the anthem or or going into an area where the go into the cenotaph but like why it's just a shield on your arm too by the way you never yeah it does it's just no gameplay effect it's a shield on your arm that creates a shield around you (laughs) (laughs) pretty much (laughs) well so whatever you know uh there's some characters that'll be interesting that'll definitely resurface um god the ending of the game i will agree that is a little anticlimactic it just abruptly stops Um, yeah it's it's like they were supposed to add more but that's going to be dlc right yeah but i mean again it's so padded with conversations i wouldn't want it to be any longer so it's kind of fine it's true i mean it took us a week to level to max level i mean with doing the conversations and some side quests it's like 15 16 hours i was skipping the conversation so, consider that. Skipping conversations and doing a few side quests while completing the main story, 15, 16 hours. I would say if you don't skip the conversations, it's going to take you two weeks to level up. Yeah, and the thing is, is like that whole level 25 to 30 zone when the story's over and there's nothing for you to do, really. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Because it sucks. You want to be collecting gear, but you can't until you hit max level. So you're just doing, you're grinding out levels at that point. Yeah, their, their level grind is off. And we were in a group of three, so you gain more experience for every mission if, than if you were solo. And that's their way of incentivizing grouping up. You can match make everything, so it's not that difficult, but... You don't even have to communicate with people because the missions are pretty straightforward. Go to here, do a thing, fight some shit, go back to base. But uh, <laughs> you, the story doesn't level you to max level properly. Um, like most games, you'd be max level before you even finish the story. Like Destiny, that's I think you were max level before you finish the story. And that's also a problem because then you have to fucking grind out this shitty story that nobody fucking cares about and you still, you're already max level. You just want to get the end game. I think you know, you got to find a balance. So I guess I'd rather finish the story first, but five levels is a bit much. Uh, yeah. Because you can't even get Masterworks until you're level 30 because you can't do Grandmaster 1. I mean, you can get Masterwork weapon, but you can't get Masterwork abilities unless you're playing on Grandmaster 1, which is a big fucking deal. Yeah, and it's <laughs> we're already at the point where, like, anything that's not a Masterwork isn't even worth keeping. Yeah, At least I for just, your main I'm, characters. I melt down. 
Like, you get so much gear yeah, and so few masterworks, <laughs> relatively, that it just feels weird. And here's the awkward situation about it, and they should address this. My thinking was, you know, when, when I was asking myself the question of why am I, why do I have all these crafting materials when I can't even craft things that are better for my javelin? Yep. Um, which the game doesn't explain to you, and I'll tell you right now to help you out, uh, Anthem players. The way the game works is if you kill an enemy with an ability or a weapon, you do that 10 times on a certain enemy type, you get access to the, the, the cer a certain tier of the crafting of that weapon. So if you want to be able to craft a masterwork ability, let's say, you have to kill a legendary enemy with that ability 10 times. Right? Okay, so <laughs> consider that. Legendary enemies are not very common, but that's, you know, they shouldn't be, I guess. But uh, the game doesn't explain that to you. But here's the problem with that. I have all these fucking crafting materials for like blue shit and purple shit. Purple, fine. Blue and green, like, there's no way to like transform these into higher level materials that, that I'm aware of, at least. Uh, and it, the real problem is if I get out of my storm and go into my Colossus, I don't have any. <laughs> all my crafting recipes for my Colossus are like common. Or un or uncommon, like green and white, yeah. because I haven't done any killing with the Colossus, so I haven't unlocked the recipes. So the problem is that it, the game doesn't unlock crafting recipes for the other javelins on your main character or your main javelin. It's not based off of like level or item level or something like that. So it almost bypasses the entire point of it because when I jump in my Colossus. And equip a mass two masterwork weapons. He's immediately fucking blue quality or epic quality, and doesn't need to create those blues and purples anymore because the shit that's dropping are masterworks. I'm already getting masterworks dropping from my Colossus immediately, so I, I, I just bypass the crafting of those lesser materials. So they need to find something to do with those lesser materials because you you have so many of them. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you can use them for components, or not components, uh, consumables, but... Yeah, but you're never going to want to craft white and green consumables at that point. Yeah, I'd much rather be able purples. to convert those into purples. <clears throat> well, that's all I got to say about that. The game, game on a scale, 1 out of 10, if you want a 1 out of 10 scale, I'd give it a... 6 and uh, a half. 7, I'd give it a 7. I like it more than Seeker and Monty does. I'd give it a 7. I mean, the game... Uh, like Nothing else really plays like Anthem. There's not well, like another game where you can be like, oh, hey, yeah, this is like here. Anthem, but better. Why I'm the seven is because this game plays like Mass Effect Andromeda to a higher degree. Mass Effect Andromeda's combat is very similar to this. There's the dodging and the, the jetpack double jump kind of thing. Uh, even the floating in air. That is, that is a Mass Effect Andromeda system. And even the abilities, the comboing, the primers in the combo, that comes from Mass Effect Andromeda. So it feels very similar to that combat, which I enjoyed in Andromeda, to a tenth degree. It's like higher up. It's even, it's even better in this because you can fly and there's more mobility and there's more abilities and, and things like that that are more interesting than there was in Andromeda. 
So that's why I give it a seven out of, out of 10 instead of a six, because I'm already, you know, I already like that kind of thing. And, and you're right. There's nothing that really plays like this out there. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So it, it feels good to play. <laughs> well, there's nothing you can get that for you. You know, if you're playing destiny, you could just play doom and feel much better. <laughs> yeah. Pretty feel much. much better playing doom. But you can't really get this feeling of Anthem anywhere else. It's a unique experience. It's just muddied by this fucking conversation tower bullshit. Yeah, and there's a lot of bugs. And, I mean, you think it's lag. I don't know what there's it is. But well, the hit detection's really bad. Like, not for you. Like, when you shoot people, well, it, I, I mean, that feels fine. But, like, you getting yeah. shot? Like, first of all, sometimes you just die. And, like, you don't know where you got shot from. Like, you're just constantly taking it. And you don't notice it while leveling because you have so much health. But and the higher difficulties, like you'll just hop out, especially as the storm, like you're supposed to be flying everywhere. So you hop out, you fly, and then it's just there goes your health bar and you have no idea why. Yeah, it's, it's really hard obvious. to keep track of everything and where shit's coming from. And it, like in, I, I made this comparison before when you get hit by something in destiny, like someone throws a rock at you. It's like and like it feels like you're about to fucking die all the time. Yeah. It's just the opposite <laughs> in Anthem. You feel fine right up until the moment that you fall out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's true. It's the same with flying. Like if you, if you're flying around and your jetpacks are overheating, you get this sound effect and you know you're overheating. You know, it's, it's starting to make it's the bar turns red. But if you got if the bar's blue because you're like it's raining or you dipped in some water. It doesn't make that noise. It doesn't yeah. give you that. So you just suddenly fucking overheat and fall out of the fucking sky. And, and it, enemies that use fire are the worst because look, the whole fun part about this game that we were talking about is the mobility and the flying and the fucking hovering and shooting and using your abilities and stuff. When you get hit by fire, it drains your shields. It drains your health until you're one hit. Uh, and then it also overheats you. So not well, only gotta, can you not shoot or fly or do anything like you just got to hide behind a rock. And that's all you can do be fair because that, that's not the same experience for me. When I get hit by the same flamethrower guys, it doesn't lower my health all the way, but it definitely overheats me. It overheats me and I fall out of the sky, but I don't go to one hit. I think that's a javelin difference, but well, it I feels play, terrible it happened to me on every javelin and it might it just because I don't have the right gear for storm, but it feels terrible because when you're overheated, it takes so not, long. Oh my God. It, it's not, there's no real good visual indicator until you're not overheated, but you can't shoot. You can't, uh, you can sprint. You can't fly. I mean, you can, you can shoot. Jump. I, I can't shoot half the time until a couple seconds have gone by after the initial overheat. Can't use your abilities after a couple seconds until a couple seconds have passed. And here's the big issue. Once you've been knocked out of the sky from overheating and you want to get away from enemies, the only thing you can do is sprint. I mean, you can dash but or, or dodge, whatever. But the moment you jump in the air, your bar stops depleting. If you're in the air, if you jump yeah, that's off the ground, terrible. Your, your overheat meter will not decrease. So <laughs> you have to stay grounded until it goes all the way down to zero. Now that's not true. Can, for most I mean, that's, that's that's weird too because like if you're storm. flying around and you dive down, you cool off. But if you turn your jetpacks off and just fall, your meter pauses. Like it doesn't get any cooler. Yeah, it's such a weird fucking system. Like, why would you not just? <laughs> I don't get it, I man. Think... I don't know what they were thinking. 
I think it's a programming situation where they detect that you're in the air. That's it. And if you're diving, it's an actual function. So I, I don't, I don't fucking know. Uh, so yeah, there's bugs, and they definitely need to be fixed. And a lot of them got addressed day one, but there's still bugs. I mean, the uh, bugs the that involved de- crashing and shit. The reason why I don't think it's a hit detection thing with the enemy is because <clears throat> it's a known bug that enemies can sometimes shoot you behind uh, through rocks. Okay, that's that's in my opinion, as somebody that's dabbled with game development, that's a mesh issue with the rocks themselves. Uh, not actually being considered or not doing the job of blocking these projectiles enemies shoot. Uh, and the other thing is the Titans, the Titan abilities. And here it's a double thing for the Titans. Uh, and the reason why I don't think it's a uh, a thing like that is because everything you do hits just fine. I've never had any problem where the hit detection was bad from my abilities or my weapon. Oh, I need but, to lead targets, but other than that, it's fine. Well, with a sniper rifle, yeah. No, with everything. Well, I mean, the flying enemies, I feel like I need to lead them sometimes, and sometimes I don't, so I, I don't know. I, that's why I think it's a latency issue. Uh, we, it's already been proven that they their um their server infrastructure is pretty bad. Their net code is bad, which is, a pro- is true with most fucking multiplayer games these days, and it's not an excuse for them. You know, it's... If you're conforming to what everybody else is doing and every, what everybody else is doing is shit, you're still shit. But <laughs> <laughs> the problem with Titans is they don't throw things at you. They, throw, they, they create things that slowly move towards you. And so you have this window to dodge these fire orbs that come at you. And when you, if you dodge too late, it's almost like the server reads it as, no, you got hit by that. So you dodge, and then a second later, you get overheated and hit anyway. And that's the second part of it. The second part of it is that it's all fire. There are no lightning or ice titans. They're all fire. So every fucking thing they do to you overheats you. And of course, for me, that's... I mean, I have a worse experience with that, in my opinion, because my whole thing is fucking floating in the air. And so I'm just grounded. And when you're grounded, the Titan does this fucking wave attack where it stomps on the ground or some shit and sends out these circular rings. Uh, and you have to, and higher level Titans will do like alternating high, mid, low type deals. And you're supposed to jump them. But again, because of the latency, even if you perfectly time the jumps, it seems like you still get hit by them. The only way to really avoid those is to be just so high up that you're not even affected by them. Uh, if you get real unlucky, you'll just get a stun lock. Well, like you'll get hit by the top one, fall to the ground, get hit by the bottom one, and then get fucking hit in the face with a fireball and die. And there's nothing you could have did about it. And that's really all the Titan does, by the way. It has most Titans have two abilities. The most Titans you come across, they create an or, or sorry, it's three abilities. There's an orb that they create from their head that floats towards you. Or there's an orb that starts to explode right on top of you. Those are easy to dodge. Well, they should be, but if you don't dodge right away, it does that weird latency thing. They're not projectiles. You do have to dodge right away, but they're not projectiles. You don't, I never really, I can float away from those. I could just strafe and never be, you know, never have a problem with the ones that just appear on top of you and then detonate after a couple of seconds. 
never have a problem with those. It's the floating, the ones that are floating towards you because, and here's what I've noticed. They don't actually track you. They, they predict your movement. So what's happening is there's an algorithm running in the background that is picking up your feedback. It's, it's picking up your input, which I fucking hate it when developers do this input tracking bullshit. It's reading your input and then predicting using simple mathematics. It's predicting where you're going to be. And that's where it moves to. You can test this by wiggling back and forth, by the way. You'll see it adjust. It shouldn't do that because it should just be coming directly at you. If it was if it was seeking you, it should be coming after you, which is what most games do. Most games, they know how to program something that seeks out where your character is. And so those are easy to dodge. Those, those are actually dodgeable because you can dodge right before it gets to you and it goes past you. This thing predicts where you go. So if you dodge too early, it adjusts immediately. If you dodge so there's only one way, way to dodge it, and that's to use your dodge. And if you fuck yeah, it up, you got to wait on your dodge cooldown to be up. Right. And fuck it up means if you dodge at the right fucking exact time. And this applies to like snipers too. You'll get, or the rocket launcher guys, like they have uh, oh, yeah. a laser that kind of like focuses in on you and you hear a sound. And if you don't dodge it at the right time, like actually use your dodge, then it still it, hits you. It still hits you no matter what. Yeah. I, that, and that's one of the things that will hit you through the terrain. Like it's, it's almost like it's not an actual projectile for the sniper shots that it's, it's just an animation. <laughs> um, I've dodged those perfectly and still gotten hit. Uh, it's a weird system they use for tracking you for these projectiles. And it really shows, it, it, it sometimes shows on the snipers because those move so fast. I think that's why you don't see it as often. But with the Titans, you notice it all the time. And it really shows the problems with that system. Because those there's orbs no, are there's so no slow. way to dodge shit unless you fly behind cover or use your actual dodge button. Like if you're if you get surrounded and start getting fucked up, you can't just like jump away and fly away most of the time. Because everything's gonna hit you anyway. Like nothing you're doing is actually contributing to your uh, evasion. The only thing that matters is getting behind cover and dodging. Yeah. Which is on a cooldown. And that's the negatives of the game, I would say, is the conversations, some of the bugs, and the, the heat system. The heat system is trash. And how you much overheat health you have? Way too, you overheat way too fast, even when just normally flying around. I think they need to adjust that significantly. Um, and they need to make it to where, first of all, not so many enemies have fire. And fire shouldn't immediately just overheat you. It should be maybe an effect where it happens gradually. It needs to be, uh oh, I'm on fire. I'm starting to overheat. I mean, it shouldn't quicker. overheat you. Yeah. I mean, it should just really increase the rate at which you, you get heat. Because, I mean, yeah. let's face it, you have a fucking like, jetpack attached to your hands, feet, and back. And you're telling me that just regular fire is, is going to overheat me? You know how much uh, hotter your fucking jetpack is than the fire? And uh, even though I, your suit is made of metal, you still go up like you're made of burlap get, for some yeah, reason. I get the ideal of it. Uh, and I. You know, even if you're, if you're getting shot by a flamethrower, you know, the fuel is going to fucking land on you and burn for a little bit. But here's the thing. When you touch water and you're flying around, the bar turns blue and it barely slows down. I mean, it does to a it large degree. It doesn't put the fire out. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't it puts put the, the fire out. out if you but, could submerge yourself. But if you're like the, waist the deep in water, you're still on fire. I'm just talking about the mechanic of when you're flying around and you get wet. 
it cools your jets, but it doesn't, unless you go through a waterfall, it doesn't cool your jets completely. So it just makes it slowly drain, uh, come up. Fire should be the same way. It should turn your fucking bar, I don't know, fucking red and, and show you that, hey, you're going to overheat faster. Now, maybe that's what they intended it to do, but there's some kind of weird system where it stacks or something, or maybe because you overheat so quickly already that it, it just come, you know, expounds on that and causes a problem or something. I don't fucking know. Uh, they, they need to adjust the fire seriously. It, and in my opinion, it should be the opposite of when you're, when you touch water, not a waterfall, but water, there shouldn't be an equivalent of a fire waterfall in the game. Maybe lava. Sure. Give me some lava enemies and maybe maybe some enemies later on that shoot lava that can do that. Yeah, sure. But regular fire, absolutely not. It should just kind of increase the rate. That way, you know, I should be able to go, oh shit, I'm on fire. I need to reposition myself in the air right now because I might fall out of the sky soon. But as it stands, it's, oh, you got hit with fire. Boom, you're on the fucking ground right here in front of all these enemies immediately. Go yeah. fuck yourself. And all you can do is sprint away. And the time that it takes before, like once you overheat, the time that it takes before your bar even starts going down is way too much. Way yeah, you too overheat high. for like 10, 15 seconds, and then it starts to go down for another five seconds. So it's probably 20 to 30 seconds of not being able to fly. It's pretty rough. Especially and that seems like a storm. lot longer when you're getting shot at and, you know, you're in the middle of a fight. That's not Feels so bad a for like that. a Colossus or a Ranger or something or an Interceptor. But if you're playing Storm, you know, 20 seconds of being on the ground is not good. Your shields are weaker. You you don't have that vantage point of, of being able to see the enemies that you want to use your ability. Because, you know, a lot of your abilities are focused with like a, a bubble that you place down before you release the button. And when you're on the ground, it doesn't behave that well. You, know, you need to have that vantage in order to place it properly. Uh, so it's kind of rough. We also need more ultimate abilities, please. Yeah, more or, and options. for now, just make them do more damage. Yeah. I mean, they've already talked about giving your shields more uh, absorption, like the ones you put down, Windwall, and the other one for Ranger. Yeah. So they know that that's fucked up, but you still die too quick. <laughs> and everyone else's shields are really strong. Oh, and it does that um, that thing where you can't apply status effects to shit with shields. So an enemy where ninety percent of their you know health comes from their shield, like just the extra bullets that shoot out after their sh their shield goes away pretty much kills them. So that's your only option for them, really. Shoot them a lot. Yeah. There's got to be better ways to deal with shields. I mean, some things will break shields faster, but their abilities and they don't break the whole shield, and it's not a signif significant difference. There's no surefire way to take down a shield. So here's uh and let me see if I can get this actually working. Let me just fucking temporarily allow all here. So they actually have a roadmap, by the way. And I feel like this is the best thing to talk about at the end of Anthem. Uh they have a roadmap on their website. It's ea.com slash game slash anthem slash acts. They're calling the first part of the game that we played, Act One. Uh, we have March 2019. 
where they say they're going to add Elysian Stronghold caches, which will add new cosmetics, new items and rewards, uh, legendary missions phase one, new free play content, Cortex lot. Like, there's no information on that. You can't open it. It just says Cortex lot, but it does like give like a little hint. Free play event, there be giants. I don't know what that means. Free play event, outlaw hours. So these, these events are supposed to be things that are weekly occurring. Uh, like the big shit, like they showed it off in the demo. They fucked around at the end of the demo and showed like this big oh, thing opening up in the sky or something. And then another free play, play event after that. And then April, the mastery system expanded progression, uh, new items, free play event, 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 new missions, legendary missions phase two, new stronghold, the sunken social play, weekly stronghold challenge. Uh, social play leaderboards, social play guilds. May 2019 is the Cataclysm starts. And this is the big thing opening up in the sky. Free play event, new missions and rewards. And then more coming soon, which is Act 2, Act 3. Uh, that's their current roadmap. Now that's a pretty good sign because I did talk about how they need to have monthly content updates. And it looks like they're doing that. They do have recurring updates they talk about, which is supposed to be fixes, improvements, and optimizations, uh, weekly alliance, coin rewards, daily, weekly, monthly challenges, and then new cosmetics from the main store. So, you know, it looks like they're doing something uh, in, the, in the right direction, I think. Yeah, I mean, I just think all they really have to do is show effort. You know, and at least then uh, we won't have to shit all over them like Bungie. That's right. I mean, Bungie, Bungie's big problem was they showed no effort to wanting to fix the game until it came time for them to be able to make you pay for it. Oh, it's been a year, guys. Here's an expansion. Oh, you have an expansion pass? Yeah, that's not an expansion pass anymore. <laughs> yep. What? The day they announced that shit is the day I stopped playing. That's really the problem with, with Destiny 2. It's not that it's necessarily a bad game. It's that the developers are pieces of shit that A, won't update their game often enough. B, won't fix addressing, won't address problems that the community keeps agreeing on, like time to kill. The whole community is like, the time to kill is too high. And they're like, ah, More we power ammo? <laughs> we think it's fine. Here's power ammo. So apparently March is the big content update for Anthem. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, right now we have legendary contracts. That'll be adding, adding legendary missions. So, you know, typically with these games, you got to wait for the updates and see what they're willing to do in the long haul. Uh, here's here's the thing I wish they, they would do with the loot. Nice. When they start adding new items and stuff, I think you should get more masterworks. Because, I mean... You should be getting a lot of fucking Masterworks, being that not only are there God rolls, but there's duplicates. Well, Masterworks you know? need to become more like epics in terms of how much they drop at a certain point. Yeah. Legendaries should be your real, like, oh shit, I got a legendary. I'd say if you play as much as, as we do, you'll probably duplicate everything in your inventory once mm -hmm. per week if you play, like, every day. That's true. So at first it's like, hey, yeah, look, I got a lot of masterworks, but that first of all, you can't use a lot of them on other javelins. Yeah. It's kind of in your best interest to stick to one or two instead of playing all four. At least until you max that one out. And the thing here's the th here's what bothers me about weapons. Weapons have random rolls, and one of them is 
plus 150% damage on that weapon. Yeah. That's the only way, like, that's the only reason to use Masterwork weapons. Like, if no, you they're, don't, they're... you like, I have probably 8 to 10 Masterwork weapons, and I can only use 2 or 3 of them, because they're the only ones that have plus 150% damage or more. Now, the workaround to this is that, like I said, if you kill 10 enemies with a Masterwork weapon, or 10 legendary enemies, for example, you then gain the crafting recipe for that Masterwork weapon. Well, actually, I think the way it works is every masterwork is an upgraded version of a gun that already exists. So, like, if like for me, I had a heavy pistol that I've never used. Oh, so you could just and I couldn't craft it at all. Well, no, I like okay. There's one masterwork that's an upgraded blastback pistol, right? So if I'm on white, if I can only craft white, I got to kill ten enemies to get rare, and then another ten to get epic, and then another ten to get masterwork. You know, so it's not just ten. It's like as you go, and I get the I guess the idea was that you well, get to level I'm, up the weapons you use, but then there's some of them where they would be good if you could craft them over and over until you get a good roll. But now you have to use it in its shit form just well, to get the, the crafting recipes. The, point of the crafting system is it originally I thought it was to help level up other javelins, but I think the point of it is uh you're supposed to be they expect you to be leveling and then crafting these guns and shit. Uh, but they don't, the problem is they don't explain this system. We just told you, we didn't learn the system until we were already max level. If we would have known this system while leveling up, sure. I might've focused on one weapon. I might've been like, well, you know, instead of just equipping the best power level item I have, I'm going to focus on this, uh, this marksman rifle so I can get a better version of it. And I think the crafting system at end game is meant for re-rolling. It's all it's meant for. But here's the thing. Here's the, one of the biggest things they need to change. When you go out and you get crafting materials between different javelins, all the crafting materials are the same except for one. Rangers get ranger parts. Storm gets storm parts. So, like, if you're like me and you play the whole game as a ranger, like, yeah, you can start crafting masterwork components or whatever yeah. um, just to catch up, even if it's only epic, because they, like you said, they start you with whites. So, if you want to just get epic and get your item level up, th- there's nothing to craft. Because, and even if you can, even if you do get the drops and then level them up, like, you gotta start all over with getting those fucking parts for each, for each javelin. Yeah. You know, like, and they're not easy to come by. You can buy them, but they're like 2,000 coin for one. And these things cost 10 just to craft one of them. You don't get that much money, man. You can't spend it all on just one crafting material. So really the only way to get them is literally to go around free play and just harvest shit and normally it comes from like broken down javelins or like gear that you find laying on the ground because there's a bunch of shit you can like there's minerals there's like orange shit to to harvest and then there's organic shit to harvest and then there's these other ones that are really hard to come by where i have like a little symbol of like a screw or something it's like parts and that's where you get all your parts from like you go out and free play for an hour you might come back with five to ten of these fucking parts per javelin they, I don't know, man. They, they got to really either make those cheaper or just let you pick up all kinds of parts with every javelin. Yeah, you can buy them with gold. Well, yeah, I just said that, but it's but 2,000 coin for one. Fucking hard to get. 2,000 coin for one of these parts, and it costs 10 parts to craft something. The problem is, is that the gold is also the currency that you use for buying store items. So they, they have a big incentive of not letting you acquire a lot of gold. They need a second currency for that. Uh, but whatever. Um, 
I don't know. The one thing I don't like, I get that people like the God roll system. I fucking hate it. I hated it in Destiny 1. Not a fan of it here. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the idea of a lot of different stats. I don't like the idea of it being randomized. What I want to be able to do, and I loved this in World of Warcraft, and every fucking time they put it in the game, they, they like fucking Alzheimer's patients. They put it in the game. People would love it. And then some people would complain about it for I don't fucking know why. And then the fucking developers back, we took it out. And is the 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 rolling re-rolling of stats, secondary stats. They call it reforging in World of Warcraft. What you'd be able to do is take a piece of gear that you got, and if you didn't like a stat on it, instead of having to go do the raid again and hope for the same item drop again and hope that it has the stats you want, you could instead take it to an NPC that for a certain amount of resources would take that stat and lessen it you weren't able to completely remove it but you could lessen that stat to instead increase another stat or add a stat to it my opinion is that you should be able to take some kind of resource and completely remove a stat that you don't want this is true in world of warcraft and anthem and then replace it with whatever fucking stat you want but again the the currency was so hard to come by for the amount amount of of that stat should be based off of not a random re-roll it should be 100% 100% picked and chosen and the amount of that stat should be based off the rarity of the item or the rarity of the resources that are used or both because you know I'm not saying that I should be able to put every fucking because there's four you can put on one. I'm not saying that every uh, stat on a legendary item that I have in Anthem should be able to be weapon percent damage you know put a limitation on it that you can only have one something like that you know in, instead yeah. of these fucking retarded god rolls where it's like hey i got a hundred percent weapon damage and then another one's 200 percent weapon damage but this down here is like nine percent sniper rifle ammo on this pistol i don't <laughs> it's fucking stupid it's dumb well that's the problem with god rolls is you have less gear overall but the same piece of gear can have all different kinds of stats and there's like a big disparity between what you need and what's shit there's very few that fun. are like yeah this is okay like it's not the fun stats going are either the fucking useless piece of or gear that you already have with a tiny stat difference. That's not fun. Well, that's why they need to have more gear drop. More <laughs> masterworks need to drop. You want explosiveness. You know, when I pick up when I'm when I'm using a masterwork weapon and then the legendary version of that drops and it's this added little text thing on it, that's an explosive thing like, "Oh man, look what this gun does now." Holy shit. That's a big jump. Explosive jumps and changes. And then I look at it and it's got these four stats and it's like fucking you you overheat 30% slower. Like, I don't give a fuck about that when it comes to a weapon. I, I don't care about that. That shouldn't even be a thing anyways. Oh, look at this. You <laughs> it doesn't matter when you're on fire. 10% shields, 20% extra damage on your fucking power, your support ability or something. Like what? Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Okay. You can have that shit all day, but I need to be able to spend a resource to change it. And I don't mean spend a resource to randomly roll all four again or to randomly roll even one of them. That shit's retarded and wow, it's retarded here. It needs to be, I get to pick it. I'm a goddamn adult, okay? I, I should be able to pick what I fucking want. The, the, the randomness... Honestly, I, the wish, I wish they would have stuck with the skill tree. Acquiring the resources, not fucking... Hey, I spent these resources that I took a while to acquire. 
to get a random roll and it wasn't the one I want. Guess I'll go get the resources again so I can do another random roll. That's not fucking fun. They do it in Diablo too. It's fucking trash. Well, apparently I'm not supposed to getting the resources, not in the random roll. I'm not supposed to talk about the uh, closed alpha, but I don't think anyone really is listening that can do anything no, that's about already it. Over with. <clears throat> but um, there was a skill tree. Instead of having so many fucking random things all over your guns, like you could pick what you wanted to focus on through a skill tree. Yeah. You know, yeah, so like, let's say you wanted from these fucking destiny players. Well, like, let's you say you wanted to focus on abilities or you wanted to focus on um, like weapon damage or melee. Like you would pick that through the skill tree and then your weapons would just be tacked on. But they took away the entire skill tree and now you have to wait for random rolls that may be synergized together. It's such a fucking yeah. dragged out system. And there's so many stats, so many stats yeah. that are useless. And so, like, the drop rate is not good. Like, you could <laughs> you could do this forever and not get anywhere close to having, like, a, a god tier set. You can have, like, a couple god roll weapons or whatever, but getting everything exactly the way it's most optimal, because not only does is there four stats that are random, but there's only... I mean, you could double them up, so you can get, like, 150% weapon damage plus 150% weapon damage. But you can also get, like, 175% weapon damage. Right? So where does that stop? I, I mean, I honestly don't know where it well, stops. It can you can you get a weapon that has four times one hundred and seventy five percent weapon damage? Yeah, the chances of getting that are so fucking That's low. God roll. And here's the problem: the problem are these fucking influencers from YouTube and Twitch and shit. Because every time there's a goddamn alpha or something like that, they immediately get invited, and those are the only people whose fucking opinions get heard for the most part. And every one of these fucking idiots that play games like Anthem are destiny players that are like the god roll system is great no the god roll system is all you fucking know if if you want to sit here and tell me that you'd rather have a piece of gear drop and all four stats be randomized versus you get to go spend a resource that you had to grind for uh to to choose which one you want to cycle out for what what you want you're a piece of shit okay because you're either a liar or a fucking masochist who wants to force that kind of self-hatred on other people because if you really only care about grinding, then you shouldn't have any problem with grinding out resources to fucking pick and choose what you want. But if said, instead you're going to be like, nah, I like the idea. Man, I love the idea of the... You get these fucking idiots on Reddit all the time. They're like, I like the feeling. It's, it's the, the endorphins that it releases in my body, that little quick hit of it whenever I see the piece of gear that's got that God roll on it. Like, go fuck yourself, Okay. It's, so you want to you want to feel you want to feel like shit ninety nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, just so you can feel really good that one time something drops. Because Don't that's kind of how it is. Video games and get fucking cocaine or something. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ! If you're so fucking focused on getting a hit of fucking dopamine, go fucking go have sex all the go jerk off. It's the same <laughs> fucking thing. Okay, Jesus Christ. Have somebody call you up. Have your mom call you up once a day and tell her that tell them that they love you. You got my dopamine hit for the day. <sighs> Fucking idiot. You are retarded. Yeah, I said it with a hard R. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I gotta say about Anthem, honestly. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. <clears throat> it's a good I mean, game, but it ain't the great white hype that we hoped it would be to defeat Destiny. Well, I mean, it's good. It's better than Destiny, in my opinion, but it's not what it should be. It could be better. I'd say the good things are better than Destiny, but the bad things are worse than Destiny. 
Like when I'm having Maybe. a good time, I'm having a lot more fun than I did in Destiny. But when shit sucks and shit's broken or certain systems don't feel right, that's all way worse than Destiny feels. I, I don't know. My opinion is different than that because I, I am factor in the developers. And I'm I believe <laughs> I believe that these developers will, will do better than Bungie. But will that stands to be seen. Yeah, and now Bungie has nothing to uh, to fall back on. No, well, you know, publisher, what are we going to do, you know? <laughs> publisher. It was our publisher, yeah. Uh, for all you idiots out here, I had to explain this recently. And not all of you are idiots. Some of you are just misinformed. The publisher does not have any say in the creative aspect of the game. Stop defending developers that suck at making video games by blaming the publisher, okay? EA doesn't come in and say, hey... Why don't you balance this gun like this? Hey, you need to make this. A I mean, it's pretty. Shooter. It's pretty easy. Anything that involves the monetization, anything that involves uh, the the store, the microtransactions, or the yeah. business model—that's the publisher. Anything gameplay may, related, the publisher may is have a hand in that. It's not necessarily that they do, but they may have a hand in that. More than likely, they do have a hand in that. Uh, I mean. I don't know. If you look at Bungie and Activision, for example, you could easily see how the Eververse was fucked in the beginning because people complained that they couldn't grind out every single item without paying money. Well, that's the point. It's called incentives. Publishers are there to create incentives. They're there to talk to developers and be like, look, create incentive. Bungie then goes to EA and says, listen, the, the game's going to flop if we don't make it to where you don't have to pay any money to play this game. Activision caves, lets them do it, and the game dies because they don't have enough. Because what does Activision do? They say, okay, well, uh, you're going to have to figure out something else. What's the something else? Well, <laughs> you, you leave a smaller team. Because Activision is not going to sit there and be like, yeah, listen, that's totally fine that your game has no incentive to make money. That's totally fine that you're not going to make that money back. Uh, what, what we'll do instead is, instead of having 50 people work on the game from here on out, we'll have 10 people work on the game. We can afford to pay 10 people for nothing. The rest of you, the 40 of you, go to make the, the next game. Or the DLC. Or the expansion. Whatever. Right? And so that's why Destiny goes months at a time without having any significant fucking upgrade, updates. You, you're, like, just consider. Consider how much work gets done on a video game over the course of five years, an entire video game built. I, I just want you to step back for a second. I know not many of every, not everybody out there is fucking programmers or understand programming. You can literally build a game like uh, getting over it with Bennett dipshit. You can build a game like that in a week. A week. Most of the work there is in the programming and the and and the conceptualization. If you already had the concept to a game like that, you could build it in a day. You could look at game jams, okay? Just go look at game dev jams, like where they take these indie guys and they put them in a room and they say, you have X amount of time. You have, you have several hours to make a game. These fucking guys make some games that are so, that go on to be sold on a marketplace. And people are like, this is great. This game was made during a dev jam. Yeah. <laughs> hours of time 
<laughs> and then you have a game like Bungie where the game's already made and the only change that has to be made is adjusting the fucking numerical data on a fucking weapon. It's literally a database. If you know anything about programming, it's a database. It's an Excel form, basically, okay, where they go in and adjust numbers and then save it and apply it and then they fucking test it. It's, it's hours of work, if even. And it takes Bungie week to a month to make those kind of simple changes why why indeed and the fucked up part is is like that's not even part of the will we gotta approve it for console they decide to put those changes in with the console update that's all like server side changes that's not client side shit otherwise people would be digging into their files and adjusting their weapon Changing values their gun numbers yeah absolutely <clears throat> there's no excuse uh, and when it comes to content, large amounts of content, the smaller the team, the slower it is. <clears throat> you look at a game like Hearthstone, Hearthstone produces content way more often than World of Warcraft does, and it has a smaller team. Why? Because the amount of work necessary to build content for that game is lower. It's it's literally just artsy shit. It's The, the graphics in that game are not high-end at all. They have some particle effects, certain abilities, and then a lot of it's just cards you know, 2D images that, you know, they make them 3D, but whatever. It's not, it's not difficult shit as opposed to a game like World of Warcraft that has a lot of moving parts and things like that that they have to, have to account for. So the smaller a team, the slower your content updates are going to be. That's a fact. When you go to a developer, like everybody's doing this with Blackout now. Now, listen, I don't know anything about the recent updates. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pre previous to those. When you complain about cosmetic you know costing money if you really like a game you you have a an an invested interest to see that game make money off of those cosmetics real money because that's how they keep paying the people working on the game a publisher gives a developer money to make a game, I mean, you, you can easily figure this out. Like, <laughs> you just go play the that fucking video game developer simulator. I don't remember what it's called, Indie Dev Simulator or something like game that. Game Dev Tycoon. Game Dev Tycoon. Yeah, that's the one. Go play Game Dev Ty Tycoon because that game, it that game educates you on how it works. When you're when you're indie in that game, you'll get these guys that'll come along and be like, hey. We want you to make a game for us and we'll give you the money. We'll fund you the product. All you got to do is make back, you, you make back uh, the money that we gave you and then we get a percentage in the contract. We get a percentage of that game, like maybe 20% or something like that. You get the rest. All right, bingo, bango. When you have a publisher, it's always like that. The, the, the trade-off is that the publisher owns your IP typically. They own the IPs that you create under them. Uh, and this is just a safety net for the publisher so that you can't just be like, well, you know what? Fuck off. I'm leaving. <laughs> you can't yeah. just do that in the middle of development or something and take all the money that they gave you. It's, it's called an investment. Just you have to put yourself in the, 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 the shoes of the producer. Imagine you have a million dollars and you give it to somebody to, to make more than a million dollars. They need that million dollars to make more than a million dollars, right? Now, you might see a, a, a game company like CG, CD Projekt Red and go, I bet these guys can definitely get my million dollars back. 
So you give them a million dollars, you have no problem giving them a million dollars. You don't even feel worried about it because you are you have seen what they've done in the past and they've proven themselves. You know, a company like Blizzard, for example, before current year, but <laughs> you know, even Destiny, Destiny, even Bungie, Bungie is notorious for making hits, right? If you look at Halo and Destiny One, these were all considered good games. So for Activision to pick up De- Bungie. Uh, after Halo and go, hey, make a new game and then to make Destiny and it was successful and then to go into Destiny 2, it, you know, it's easy to see how Activision is like, yeah, you got a lot of creative control over your product. Very rarely will a publisher go, we want to, you know, micromanage what you're doing. Very rarely. Um, and <laughs> you have to get your money back. Okay, if if you give your money to somebody and the objective is to get your money back plus some, what's the point if you just get your money back, right? What's the point? Is it charity work? No, it's ridiculous. You're hoping to get something back with it. And you're not hoping to get back a million and one hundred dollars. You're hoping to get back two million, right? Like hopefully, yeah. maybe you could get a million plus another million. That's the whole fucking point. And for people that are like, that's fucking greedy. That's capitalism. Yeah, it's capitalism. And it's not greedy. It's, it's people trying to feed their fucking families, okay? You can go on all day about how much money is too much money. Go fuck yourself. Because if you had that amount of money, I'm sure you would love to do things with it. Like, give it to other people. or Even the idea of like, I'm going to fucking, everybody's got that stupid idea. I'm going to get this amount of money and I'm going to buy land and I'm going to put my whole family on it and they're going to be great off. Yeah, that's what these rich people are doing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Donald Trump. That's what he does. His whole family is involved in his business and shit, and they all have nice houses. And shit. That's the whole concept. And then they have family, and they have family, and that's how it goes. That's how you create massive fucking empires of a whole fucking family like the Rockefellers. So, so you shitting on them and be pissed off at it is fucking stupid. Not only that, but they take the biggest risk. I'm not going to get too much in that, but the, the point that I'm getting at is when, when you... <laughs> If you get rid of all the publishers right now, you're going to have less games, less games because Bungie, it, you know, where does a company like CD Projekt Red get their money to make Cyberpunk 2077 from? Witcher 3. Well, they, they get it from Witcher 3 and they got the money to make Witcher 3 from Witcher 2 and they got the money from Witcher 2 to make from Witcher 1 to make Witcher 2, etc. Right. I mean, I misspoke there a little bit, but you get the point. Witcher 1's money goes on. They make a game like Witcher 1, which takes a lot of time and an investment of their own money and they're taking their own risks, something not many people are willing to do. It's a very dangerous and scary prospect to take the money that you make and, and put it into something like that that may or may not pay off. And then you take the money you earn from that success and put it into the next project, the next project. That's what an indie developer's cycle is like. If, yeah, if and the reason, 20, one of the reasons they're so successful when it comes to that business model is because they're very selective about who works for them. Like there was that right. whole story about how someone came out and was like, they fired me because of this. And they basically said, yeah, you were incompetent. Well, what like, happens they hire CD the best Project and they fire Red. you when you fuck up. Like, what happens when Cyberpunk 2077 comes out and it doesn't succeed? That company has no excess money now. All their money went into that project. So now they have to downgrade on their next project or they have to go out of business entirely. We see this happen to indie studios all the time. Indie studios, I mean, and people look at dev studios and go, oh, this dev studio got shut down by this, this, this uh, you know, 
big producer. A lot of times they just take them and put them in other areas because they're not doing well. But a producer prevents that. Producers are a net. And it's because of having the concept of producers that you hate so much that you've been able to have all these big, amazing fucking games. Because it allows companies to have failures. And think about how many companies have had great games in the past and then they go forward and, and they flop or fail on something and then they go on to make another great successful game. Like that's that's part of the process. You know, Blizzard made Warcraft and Starcraft and World of Warcraft, but they also made Diablo 3. If they were an indie company, Diablo 3 might have fucked them completely. But because they had Activision as a producer, they were able to make that kind of error and continue on. And I know that people out there are like, yeah, well, you know, they should suffer for those errors. And you're right, they should. And it fucks with their reputation. But at the same time, you know, who knows what Blizzard could come out with several years from now that could just be one of the most amazing games you've ever played. And it would have never existed if it wasn't for Activision. So you have to be, you have to hone that fucking producer hate back a little bit. Yeah. Of course they're going to do things that are about making money. That's called living. Like, what are you, what are you fucking retarded? Are you 15 years old and you don't make any money? Like, then I could see you having a complaint because you don't understand anything about money. Money is good. Hey, Seeker, you want more money? Yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I mean, more money means you can buy the things you like. Jesus Christ. And if you had excess money, what could you do with it? Well, you might invest it in things that you like, projects that you, you know, it might start like that. That's how it starts, man. You got excess money and then you're like, I like these people. I trust them. I, I want them to do something with it. I like this product. It's a small little indie product. I want to give them money and help them make something amazing. I'm into that. And then before you know it, you're a giant mega corporation and you're killing little babies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they all lived happily ever after except for the baby so, so sony is uh people are talking about the playstation 5 by the way probably going to see it at e3 this year uh no information on it other than like i mean uh, if the playstation 5 is coming then you know the next xbox system is coming i know we don't really care about consoles that much but i just thought we'd say something about it yeah. apparently uh they feel like AR of uh, AR and VR is the future. So we might see the console launch with VR. Well, you know, it's that's another risk because they tried launching Xbox One with a Kinect and people were like, man, I'd rather just pay a hundred dollars less and not have that. But yeah, but that was stupid. The idea that nobody wants a controller in their hands is fucking retarded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're not there. I want a controller in my hand. Like that the Moving to an area where you don't have any controllers is the opposite of the right thing because you want that tactile feedback. You want that feedback in your hands. Yeah, until they uh, do haptics the right way and make VR yeah. just as responsive as hitting a button, you'll never get rid of controllers or mouse That's and keyboard. Right. You, you need some kind of hologram that has physical feedback or something. I don't know. Which you said haptic. That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, let's talk about what's coming out before we end the thing. I, Devil I May be Cry 5, March. March 8th. I won't be here March 15th, which is when the Division 2 launches. So I don't know what you guys are going to do. And I, I might I still be come, playing Devil May Cry 5. I don't come back till April 1st. So I won't be here for Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which is on the 22nd. 
I can wait the Dark on that Souls one. developer. Well, I don't expect you guys to wait on Division. Uh, definitely Monty won't wait. But if you want to wait, that's fine. I mean, I'll probably play it when I get back. Well, it depends I how could, bored I, I am. Catch up. I could catch up. But yes, Devil May Cry comes out on the 8th. Yeah. As well as Kirby's Epic Yarn. <laughs> <laughs> Left Alive comes out on the 5th. Now, I know that you're not like, you don't. You're not, you know, whatever, right? Like, what, what? the fuck is that? Left of Li- Left Alive is a Square Enix game coming out. Uh, it's a shooter that looks like I've only watched one video. It looks like it plays similar to like a Metal Gear Solid slash Resident Evil combo. Uh, it looks like it's got a little sneaking in it, but it's also just a standard shooter as well. It's a third person. It looks kind of Resident Evil two y. It's got some kind of like uh, monster enemies in it, uh, and it's a it's a brand new IP from Square Enix, and it's it's pretty big, apparently a big thing that's coming out. Uh, it's set in the Front Mission universe, which is interesting because Front Mission is a big mech game, hmm. but uh, I don't remember there being any kind of like uh, monsters or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> If you look it up right now, there's plenty of stuff on it. I think it's even on the Steam store. It looks very Metal Gear Solid with like all the fucking, you know, how Kojima was in love with those fucking lights and shit. But I mean, there's mechs in the game too, but I don't know. Maybe you play in a mech. There might be mech combat. Uh, Looks like it. This looks really interesting to me. Um, Because it looks like Metal Gear Solid what Metal Gear Solid should have kind of been to some degree with like mechs being a thing. So I don't know. Uh, It looks interesting. It does look interesting. Is that a full price game? Probably. (laughs) I would imagine with it being Square Enix. But Square Enix is pretty generous. They'll lower the price uh, eventually, no doubt. Pretty quickly, like a, a month away, they'll probably do a sale. Uh... Yeah, I think like what was it, forty dollars current like for fucking what's the name of that game that just came out, Laura Croft or whatever, the right. Tomb Raider shit. Wasn't Tomb Raider on sale for forty dollars recently? Oh yeah, this weekend. Yeah, instead of uh, 60. Left Alive is sixty bucks. <clears throat> we'll see what it looks like. I mean, I'm not gonna buy right into it. I'll see what it looks like with people playing it. It's a Japanese developer, so that's a plus. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's definitely yeah. mech combat. Yeah, I see that now. And yeah, the the on foot stuff looks just like Metal Gear Solid, man. Crazy. I mean, it's selling good. It's gone gold. <laughs> yeah. Metro's been out, but we haven't played it. Everybody gone gold just good. means that it's in its final version, ready to be shipped. I thought that meant that it sold a certain number. No, you're thinking of records. When it goes gold in video games, it just means that all the changes they're going to make are done. See, because they have to get it ready for console in the old days, get it pressed to disc and shit. So when it goes gold, it means like this is what's going to get put on the disc. Nowadays, it doesn't even matter so much because there's always a fucking day one patch. That's why there's a day one patch. Just for you people out there. Between when the game goes gold and when it actually comes out. The changes. 
And after uh, Sekiro, there's really nothing going on for a while. Yeah, uh, well, between Anthem and The Division and Devil May Cry and possibly Left Alive, that should be enough to keep us going for a few months. Honestly, I yeah. just wish we could find a looter shooter that we can actually stick with. Well, Rage 2 is in May. That's the next big one uh, after that. And that's not including anything that might be announced in between. We do have June, which is going to be E3, potentially announcing launches for certain things. Uh, you know. Resident Evil 3 make? <clears throat> 3 make. Oh, snap. We'll see if they, if they announce anything. I doubt it. They probably got a couple more DLCs for Resident Evil 2. People are expecting the Final Fantasy remake, Final Fantasy 7 remake to launch this year, maybe end of 2019. So that'd be cool. More Combat 11 is April 23rd, if you care about that. Days Gone, PS4 exclusive zombie game that's like War of the Worlds. I don't really care for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People were really hyped for that, and then they saw some gameplay footage and were just kind of left confused. It and then they pushed the game back first. like a year. But then it stopped looking interesting when they were just battling hordes of fucking zombies. Uh, like, yeah. I, it, Resident Evil 2, perfect example. You don't need hordes of zombies to be entertaining or scary. Yeah. I also don't like the running zombie. I think it's fucking lame. And yeah. uh, the whole piling up thing just seems like an unnecessary amount of usage of a CPU or something like that just for the effect of, oh, there's so many zombies on screen. Like, I don't <laughs> give a fuck. Like, don't give a f The more zombies, the worse it is because you actually make them, you know, take, take a lesson from Left 4 Dead. Or, or not Left 4 Dead, but uh, yeah, Left 4 Dead. The more zombies you have, the, the more trivial they are. You know, you play a game like Left 4 Dead and all the regular zombies are so fucking trivial, they have to add these special infected. And those become the real threat to where you don't even really care about regular zombies. Yep, uh, just an obstacle gets in the way. Just an obstacle. I mean, we used to do what we called run-its, Left 4 Dead run-its. That's, that's where we were so bored of playing Left 4 Dead that we would start in a room together and everybody would just run to the next room and you pretty much the way to win this would be to like shoot a car alarm and keep going <laughs> <laughs> and just try to avoid the you wouldn't even shoot because it slowed you down you just melee them off to you and the trick was to get into the next room and eat as many health pickups as possible before everybody got there <laughs> so that the people on the back end would be more likely to die in the next one you know, so and those were pretty fun, but the regular zombies were so fucking pointless. They those weren't the problem. It was, it like was pretty satisfying though when you just kind of bottleneck them and you've got one of the good shotguns. You just aim high and well, yeah. I mean, the game's thin them out. Fun. Just, <laughs> you know, this this, her. this game takes it way too far. <laughs> her. This game takes it way too far. I think uh, in what they were showcasing. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. You know what's What's creepier, fucking going to a, uh, driving up on your motorcycle, your loud fucking motorcycle to a, a factory that's completely empty and then five minutes later the, a gunshot goes off and then that's what brings in a horde of like two to three hundred fucking zombies and you gotta keep running away from them and creating choke points to kill all of them? Or, you know, driving your loud motorcycle up to a gas station, walking inside this fucking non-lit gas station looking for food and maybe hearing some shuffling or something, not seeing the fucking threat 
and then one fucking zombie pops out and almost gets the bite on you that ends your fucking life before you get the shot off on it. Like, I, I personally think the one zombie is scarier because there's more atmosphere buildup. Also, it doesn't make sense to be driving your fucking motorcycle around everywhere and then a gunshot is what brings the zombies in. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's <laughs> what we're Fucking, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, I get that Daryl in Walking Dead... It's a cool concept, you know, it's what just basically this game is based off of. Hey, it's Daryl the Sim, the video game. It's fucking dumb. Hey, we're in a zombie apocalypse. Keep the noise down. Yeah, I got this crossbow. It doesn't make any noise. Okay, then I guess. Make more sense to be on a bicycle. And not as cool, I suppose. All right. Yeah, so there's there's a handful of games coming up, and to buy one at a time and see if we get addicted to one because I don't want to fucking buy all of them, have no money, and only play one or two out of the four or five that we bought. So yeah, well, what we could do is hold off on division till April, maybe. See what all the inputs about. You know, Monty will play it day one, so he can tell us what he thinks and probably lie to us. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. I might get would, bored and, just, and get it anyway. But, you know, Devil May Cry might keep me occupied because it's not just beating the game. It's <laughs> going right. up the difficulty ladder and unlocking all the shit. And... Well, there's a, there'll be other stuff to do. Hey, listen, if you end up playing it, I can always catch up. It's not an issue. But, yeah. Yeah. March There'll probably 15th, be multiple characters anyway. So go at least I can play and be like, yep, April this builds up. Yeah, that's terrible. True. My condolences. Traveling sucks. Yeah, uh, yeah, so we talked about a lot of Anthem. That's mostly what we've been doing the last two weeks. I might play it a little bit today. Poke at it. Chip away at the gear grind. Right. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, that's the that's the podcast. Next week, I guess it's more Anthem. We gotta finish Deus Ex. Actually, no, we don't need to. We finish Deus Ex. We got two more DLCs yeah, we can do. DLC, but me. <clears throat> I guess you could do that too, by the way. The DLC. I mean, I think oh. that's only like an hour, maybe two of content, and it doesn't have anything to do with the story, the main story. Mm. So. Well, there is a bunch of shit that we haven't played uh, that we got our hands on during like Christmas shit and all that. Yeah, it's, oh. a, it's a surprise every day on the Seeker 127 channel, so go check that out. Yeah. Follow. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. I'm connected. Um. By the way, schedule has pretty much changed. So instead of taking Sunday and Monday off, I'm taking Sunday and Wednesday off. Until further notice. Wife's work schedule. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Anything you'd like to finish? <clears throat> uh, I've already <laughs> finished. You haven't finished. <laughs> All right. Good talk. All right. <laughs> anticlimactic <laughs> ending to the podcast, just like an anticlimactic <laughs> ending to Anthem. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time, or you'll hear us next time on Electronic Gaming mm-hmm. Mostly, the podcast. Big. <laughs> Later. <laughs>